Hello again, welcome back to Luxi, a podcast to reignite your wonder by exploring the science behind luxury items. I'm Dr. Lex, PhD and infectious disease expert, and I'm joined by my co-host, Dr. Demos. That's Demos. <laughs> also a PhD and electrical engineer. This week we're talking about the ubiquitous metal, silver. A vast amount of jewelry is made with silver, as are other items such as coins, solar pan- panels, water filtration, ornaments, utensils, electrical contacts and conductors, and the list goes on. Now, I have really like silver's color and sheen for jewelry, but as Demos knows and teases me about, I can't wear it for too long. It turns out that I have an allergy to silver. And more specifically, I have an allergy to the nickel that is used to make silver jewelry. Pure silver is too soft to make into jewelry, so a small amount of nickel is mixed in to keep the shape and luster of the metal. The nickel can seep out and cause a contact dermatitis, so hives, itchiness, redness. The amount of nickel is highly variable, hence my range of reactions to different pieces of jewelry. This allergy is more common in women than in men and affects between 10 and 15% of the population. So Demos, I am not quite the outlier that you once thought I was, maybe. And I'm not making it up either. (laughs) It's all right. Of course, my family being what it is, I got teased uh, a lot uh, as a young kid for my naturally expensive taste in jewelry since the only jewelry that I know I won't react to is gold because it doesn't contain any nickel in the the alloy. Uh, Without further ado, here's a microbiologist and an electrical engineer's take on silver. So, Demos, do you know the atomic number for silver? Is it 47? It is. And do you remember its atomic symbol? A-G. And that's Latin for Argentum. Mm-hmm. And uh, a reminder that the atomic number is the number of protons found in the nucleus of every atom of that element. And did you know that silver is considered a transition metal? I, d- I forgot what transition metals mean. Well, it's a grouping on the periodic table of elements, and it's based on how the electrons are arranged. And it has to do with the D-shell of electrons and the ability to make cations based on that D-shell of electrons, which might be a little deep in the weeds, but that's what it means. It's soft, white, lustrous, and has the highest electrical conductivity, thermal conductivity, and reflectivity of any metal. Did you know that? Well, I do know that silver jewelry looks great. (laughs) That looks great on you. Oh, thanks, even though it makes me itchy. Silver is found in the Earth's crust as a pure, free element, and also as an alloy with uh, gold and other metals. And most silver is currently produced as a byproduct of copper, gold, lead, and zinc refining. The word silver comes from the Proto-Germanic language, and uh, the word was salubra, and it first appears as silver in Old English. And silver is one of seven metals that were known to prehistoric humans. It was probably used as currency or adornment, and because it wouldn't have been used to make tools or weapons since it's pretty soft. And for much of ancient history, silver was considered more expensive than gold. Oh, wow. Because native supplies were more limited until a, a process called cupellation was discovered. And that's the process of using really high temperatures to separate components out of ore. And that way you could get the silver out of the alloys that it's found in. Okay, cool. Yeah, I thought that was pretty neat. Uh, evidence of this cupellation process has been found in Asia Minor and on the islands in the Aegean Sea from as early as the 4th millennium BC. It's also likely that silver production was present in India, Japan, and China uh, around the same time frame, but it was not as well documented. The conquistadors coming to South America discovered silver deposits, and that made that area the number one silver producer for a time, unfortunately, because we all know what happened when the conquistadors came to South America. Yes, they pillaged. In 19th century, the silver production moved to north to Mexico, U.S., and Canada, 
And as of now, the distribution of software production around the world is actually pretty even. One fun fact, though, Ovid, Ovid's Metamorphoses is, I think, one of the first illustrations of silver's use in signifying second best in a series, better than bronze, but worse than gold. Yeah. Okay, I'm pretty excited about that. And silver was also commonly thought to have mystic powers like killing werewolves. And that's where we get the adage, silver bullet comes from. Thanks. I did not know that. Do you, can you I just think of, I thought of cores, the silver bullet. <laughs> can you think of another idiom that contains silver? And there's a hint that it's biblical. Yeah, I'm, I'm completely stumped. Yeah. So the 30 pieces of silver. Oh, that's right. In reference yes, to the, the 30 pieces of silver that Judas was paid to betray Christ. Yes. So oh when you say goodness. something costs you 30 pieces of silver, you make that kind of reference. It's basically like your, your price. To oh, do wow. something really bad. <laughs> yeah, it's an intense one, but it's, it's around. And it, you know, there's a lot of um, sort of liter- literature references to that. Now that you've put that little bug in my head, I'll probably end up using it somewhere <laughs> completely inappropriate. Like, oh, that oil change for my car cost me 30 pieces of silver. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. All right. Well, why don't you get us started off on the science? All right. Well, silver is widely distributed across the Earth's crust, surprisingly, and is found in lead mines, copper mines, and cobalt mines. It's useful in a lot of industrial processes. What's interesting is that South America is truly the place to find silver. Mexico, Peru, China, Chile, Australia. Now I know China and Australia aren't South America. Mm -hmm. But when you add up all of these nations, Mexico being number one, uh, together, all of this, about 60% of the world's production is from there. USA only accounts for 4%. The highest known electrical conductivity and thermal conductivity of any metal. It's used in all kinds of electronics applications, including, for example, the heat sink that helps to cool down the computer that we're recording this podcast on. Oh, so when the little fan starts going to cool my computer down, does that mean that, that there's not enough silver in the heat sink? <laughs> no. What it, what's happening is, is the silver is um, made into a compound that helps to take advantage of that high conductivity. So you'll have a silver paste Mm. that will be used. And zinc oxide is the other part of that paste. And um, that paste will allow you to create a thin gap filling, kind of like spackle. Mm. It fills in the gaps and allows all the heat to be connected from the processor of the computer to the heat sink. Interesting. So it's kind of like a toothpaste. And it just sort of fills in the gaps and... um, not that silver is in toothpaste. In fact, you would not want silver in toothpaste. We'll no. talk about that later. Yes. Uh, silver is a catalyst for ethylene. Ethylene dioxide is can be is a precursor for all kinds of organic compounds, and it's an extremely uh, useful catalyst. It's also silver chloride. Mm-hmm. Uh, we use it in photography. Back when people used to actually like develop pictures. Well, I mean, even to this day, like huge art photography will will be done. Uh, let's say graphic art prints and such. Uh, the the best way to do that still is with photographic paper. And it's relatively easy to develop it, as we all knew in, 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 in times past when all photos were done that way. <laughs> Silver zinc is an interesting combination of, of two electronegative compounds that together can make for an amazing battery. All the Apollo missions flew silver zinc batteries. A small company in Joplin, Missouri named Eagle Pitcher made them were used on all the stages of the Saturn V rocket as well as the lunar and command module. And in fact, those batteries are still on the moon. It was not the only source of power, however, there were also fuel cells. 
some of the highest specific energy of any known electrochemical battery is in silver zinc. So can you, can you explain the significance of having a high specific energy in a battery? Yes, absolutely. Batteries can give you power. Like, for example, if you put a battery in a toy and you want that toy to go fast, that's power. But if you want that toy to go for a very long period of time, let's mm -hmm. say years mm -hmm. or many or decades, then that's energy. So energy is a certain amount of power over time. Mm -hmm. and then power is work that you can do that instant with the battery. So those are the two things. I can do a lot of work. Like I could, I could be like a bunny rabbit and accelerate <laughs> fast and do all things. But the turtle always has the most energy because it might be slow, but it can do something for a very long period of time. Okay. That energy is something that's amazing about silver zinc and silver zinc batteries are rechargeable. In fact, you could get 40% more range on the same size battery in your car mm -hmm. or on your laptop, mm -hmm. but it would be easily 10 times more expensive. What about the weight? Are they as heavy or are they lighter? That's one of the benefits. Let's say, for example, you put in a smaller silver zinc battery mm -hmm. that gives you the same uh, runtime as mm -hmm. a lithium ion battery. Then you could make your laptop smaller and thinner. That battery would be less expensive. And now instead of it being 10 times more expensive, it would be three times more expensive. So if you value size, weight, mm -hmm. and runtime, then go with silver zinc. If you, however, value a few more charge-discharge mm -hmm. cycles, like you can do a thousand charge-discharge cycles of a lithium-ion battery, but a silver-zinc one, only about 300. Well, that's a significant reduction. Yeah. But also, in energy storage elements, like ceramic capacitors, electrically heated automotive windshields, photovoltaic cells all have silver on top of them. Those little lines you see running oh, across yeah. the solar cells, that's all silver. Silver paste. Hmm. In antiquity, mirrors were made of polished silver, yes. and that eventually turned into aluminum-coated glass. Mm -hmm. To this day, the Gemini telescopes... Mauna Kea. Mauna Kea, thanks. Mm -hmm. On Mauna Kea's uh, mountaintop, mm -hmm. which we've visited, yes. both are made of silver, oh, polished silver. Cool. And also, just to understand, there are space telescopes with silver mirrors, but mm -hmm. the James Webb telescope, I was wondering if it had silver. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't. It's okay. beryllium with gold on top. That's of it. the newest one that just got launched. Right? Yeah. That's what about the Hubble? The Hubble, same way. It was also a gold-plated mirror. Gold. Oh, okay. Yeah. Of all companies, Perkin Elmer. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's kind of random. Mm -hmm. Perkin Elmer, household goods and telescope mirrors. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Go. <for that. laughs> so anyway, there, and there are a few other things. No, that, those are mine. I can those see, are yours. In fact, oh. I feel like you actually just copied and pasted from my notes. I totally did not copy. And <laughs> yes, paste you from totally did copy and paste from my notes. All right. Well, anyway, you can read those. <laughs> <laughs> well, so you that was a really cool, you know, introduction into the the many uses that silver has in electronics. And I'm going to delve into the antimicrobial properties of silver. Please. Yeah. So these properties have been known for some time. And just as a refresher, antimicrobial is in any agent that kills a microorganisms or stops its growth. And note, this is a broad term. And um, so if you want to be more specific, you would say like antibiotic for bacteria or antiviral for viruses. And traditionally, silver has been incorporated into creams and dressings in the form of silver nitrate or silver sulfadiazine. 
and it treats anything from burns to ulcers to food and also is used in food packaging to prevent contamination in home appliances and industrial applications. It's hypothesized that silver actually punches holes into bacterial membranes and then no. binds to essential cell components. Like a silver bullet. Yeah, like a silver bullet. And then it binds to essential cell components like DNA, pretend, preventing the bacteria from performing essential functions. Um, interestingly, the, I saw this, this was a, a kind of a, a write-up, a blurb on uh, science. This woman, Emily Conover, uh, did an article about some really interesting research that she called, they called it zombie bacteria. Mm. For, so from 2015, and so... Dead bacteria could actually soak up, still soak up silver particles, and they're stored in there, and then the silver can leach out into a new environment and then cause other bacteria to die. So they're kind of like zombies that go and bite other bacteria. I and love cause... it. Yeah, it was really neat. And there's um, a really cool picture that we can put in the show notes, too, and you can see the silver particles sparkling, essentially, in an electromicrograph of the bacteria. So given all these antimicrobial properties, researchers have been interested in new silver formulations, and so scientists decided to harness the emerging nanoparticle technology. We visited nanoparticles in episode yes. five on mm-hmm. gold. And as a reminder, a nanoparticles are small particles that range between one and 100 nanometers in size. One of my beloved reference articles. You know how mm-hmm. much I like love a good reference article? Yes. Or a review article, yeah. I should say. Yeah. yeah. This review yeah. article was authored by Tamara Brunat and et al. And was published in the International Journal of Molecular Science in July of last year. Silver nanoparticles have the advantage of higher surface area compared to bulk silver. Um, They also have some unique characteristics. It turns out when you make a nanoparticle out of silver, the electrical, optical, and catalytic properties of the silver change a little bit Mm. because it's so small, right? Mm. And so this has led them to be researched for drug delivery, diagnosis, detection, imaging, because you can image the silver, right? so far, nanoparticles have been tested for antimicrobial activities against a range of pathogens, including multidrug-resistant bacteria. That's mm. always a concern. So how do you make them? So there's two different categories of uh, nanopart- metal nanoparticle synthesis. So I think this is probably for most metals. Um, Bottom-up or top-down? Mm. So top-down synthesis is where metallic silver or solid in a solid or aeros- aerosolized state is sort of essentially whittled down to a little nanosphere. Right, using physical techniques such as ball milling, laser ablation, something called sputtering. Oh yeah, sputtering is um, where you heat up a metal in a vacuum and then make an electric field to draw the particles or the molecules of the metal or the element mm-hmm. across a, an electric field in a vacuum to your target. Well, apparently that can make a nanoparticle. Mm-hmm. And um, so this can yield... This can yield large amounts of highly pure nanoparticles, um, but it requires a large amount of energy, expensive instrumentation, high pressure and temperature conditions. So the bottom up is where you have nanostructuring and stabilization used on the silver atoms to, to form the nanoparticle itself instead of whittling it out of a bigger piece of silver. And these are chemical or biological techniques, and the chemical methods are very low cost and simple to perform, as well as very scalable, but can lead to the generation of polluting or hazardous waste. Mm. The biological methods, which I thought were really cool, is where you actually use a fungus or a bacteria to mediate the synthesis of the nanoparticles. So basically you put silver in with a bacteria and they'll kind of ingest it and roll it around and spit it back out as a nanoparticle. Oh, wow. That's weird. So it's like a biological factory. Yeah. And these are very high solubility, they yield, uh, high yield, high stability um, processes. Um, And it's just you have to consider how you're going to kind of grow and maintain the cultures of the bacteria or the fungi. But this, 
this uh, article said this is the the biological process is a synthesis method that's being mostly considered nowadays. Yeah. So how do these little things work? And I said, so the exact mechanism action is not known. So one hypothesis is that the particles can penetrate the outer membrane of the bacteria and accumulate in the inner membrane, and then they adhere to the cell, destabilizing and damaging the cell. And that leads to increased membrane permeability and leakage in cell death. They also thought they can, like I said, go into the cell and interact with sulfur or phosphorus groups present in such cell components as DNA and proteins, disrupting their function. And um, it's also thought that they can interfere with the cell respiratory chain and damage that intracellular machinery, and that activates the apoptosis pathway. Do you know what apoptosis yes. is? It's cell death. Well, more specifically, program cell death. It's sort of like a self like a self-destruct switch. Oh wow! In a cell. So if a cell thinks it's not healthy, it'll trigger that. Yeah, there's different ways that the apoptosis pathways can be triggered. But so, despite their promise as antimicrobial, silver, silver nanoparticles come with some caveats. Um, one is the potential for resistance. Several in vitro studies with Pseudomonas E. coli and Staphylococcus have shown some tolerance to the nanoparticles over time. Additionally, a study um, conducted by Kawiterwat. Kawiterwat. Yeah. Kawiterwat. It's a great last name. Uh, showed that pre-exposure of bacteria to silver nanoparticles decreased the eff efficiency of antibiotics for those bacteria. However, at the same time, other st studies have shown an additive or synergistic effect of silver nanoparticles with other compounds. Um, definitely an area of active research. And then there's the potential for cytotoxicity with the nanoparticles, right? You know, bacterial cells, our cells, the, the trick is always to kill the bacteria and not to kill our cells. <laughs> so one study, it, it appears that smaller nanoparticles have the ability to induce greater damage, but there needs to be further studies on size and dose. And an interesting study in Finland on colloidal silver, which I'll get into a little later, products found on websites, found the products to be, and I quote, very detrimental, and the, the quote's great, from the actual research paper, the use of quackery products such as colloidal silver can be dangerous and their use and marketing should be controlled and restricted. Yes, and it can also turn your skin and your teeth blue. Yes, I'm going to get to that in a minute. There are some uh, current applications in healthcare, and one of the main ones is actually using silver nanoparticles to treat face masks. And face masks coated with the particles exhibited an ability to reduce up to 100% of E. coli and Staph aureus within 24 hours. And in hospitals where patient-to-patient -patient transmission of bacteria is a big concern, this could be a really big improvement. It is used already sort of as a topical antiseptic. So overall, silver nanoparticles may represent the future of antibiotics, either for goods such as masks, catheters, or wound dressing, or as an ingested product, or both. But uh, I think there's still some more research, especially if you're going to get into an ingested product. And I think what you're saying about all this stuff with bacteria, especially with like uh, bacteria that doesn't respond to normal to normal mm -hmm. uh, antibacterial creams, yeah. lotions, sprays, or other chemicals, Silver could really help hospitals be sanitary. Yeah. And since you mentioned colloidal silver, and it was mentioned in the study from Finland, so colloidal, colloidal, I cannot say so, colloidal silver consists of silver particles and silver ions in aqueous suspension. The particle size of the silver varies between nano and micro particles. And it's actually the silver ions that mediate toxic, toxic effects in the human body. And it's often marketed as an essential mineral supplement. But while silver can be found in the human body, it is absolutely not an essential mineral and has no physiological function. It's just essential for someone's wallet. Yeah. 
So an interesting fact when taken orally, the silver from the suspension builds up in your body over months to years. It can result in a bluish gray skin discoloration, and this is called argyria. 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 It's Greek for silvery. Yeah, well, uh-huh. and and um, unfortunately, it's usually permanent. Wow. So if you see somebody that has a, a bit of a pallor, maybe you mm. can ask them if they've been taking some co- colloidal silver. Colloidal silver. Maybe that's where the blue hair comes from. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think most people's blue hair comes Spray from. it. So our glossary terms from this round. So atomic number. Okay. Do you remember? It's the, the number uh, on the periodic table. Yeah, but it corresponds to the number How many protons, protons and neutrons? Yeah, how many protons usually? Protons, yeah, not you, neutrons. There's weird, you know, some weird isotopes. Oh, that's right, that's right. There's a isotope of 100, so there's yeah. actually quite a few neutrons yeah. in uh, silver. Yeah. Uh, transition metal? It's a metal that transitions sure. from one thing to another. <laughs> I don't remember, though. So that's that specific group on the periodic table that has that that D shell. Somewhere in the middle. Electron. Yeah, somewhere in the middle. It's in the middle. In the transition. And it's like, usually it's kind of orange on the periodic table. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cupellation. That's where you make a cup of something? That heating process for refining oils. Oh, gosh. I should have been paying attention. It's okay. Antimicrobial. Well, that's just what's just killing microbes. Yes. And apoptosis. Oh. Program cell death. All right. So now our fun cocktail party quiz. Ready? Co- cocktail party facts? Okay. Oh, we didn't. The last time you said you were going to... To use... ask people about people uh, about the color change? Yeah, maybe. Uh, no, I didn't use it. No, we didn't. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. no. Oh, well. Maybe this weekend. Do, do better than we do. <laughs> yes. Use those All right. What is mixed with silver to make jewelry? Gold. Nickel. Nickel. To make the silver jewelry mm. strong. Okay. Where did the concept of silver being second best show up in early literature? Oh, yeah, that was just in there. Uh, not the Bible. No, um, no, it's not the Bible. Um, <laughs> Jesus didn't give out gold medals. <laughs> okay. I don't remember. Ovid's Metamorphoses. Ovid's, oh, yeah. forgot that completely. And then what is Argyria? Oh, Argyria. That one I read, too, and that's yeah. about your your body turning blue because of silver. Poisoning, essentially. <laughs> Um, so you've, uh, you've made it through another episode mm. and I hope you enjoyed exploring silver with Demos and I, and hope you remember a little fun, fun fact from this episode. The next time you see some silver, which should probably be anytime. soon, anytime. Silver's not that expensive. That's not even that. It's just rather ubiquitous now. Yeah. Even and just the color, good. even if it's not actual silver, the color is pretty, we're, we're recording this on your silver laptop. <laughs> it is very silver. I think it's from aluminum. Uh, thanks for listening to this episode of Luxi. A very special thank you to my audio engineer and co-host Demos. Our theme music is Harlequin Mood by Birdie. We're on Twitter and Instagram at LuxiPod, and our website is luxi.podcastpage.io. Please subscribe and review wherever you listen. This time we're asking, our special ask is for you to share one of our tweets. Oh, yes, I should tweet. Well, yeah, well, we as a podcast tweet. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you All should right. follow us and share one of them. Okay, I'll follow you. <laughs> well, make if you do, we'll make sure we comment on it. Okay. Thanks. <laughs>